Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, Wrestling Wednesday. My guest today is Coach Tom Ryan, head coach of the Ohio State University. He was a two-time All-American under Coach Gable. Great guy, and I cannot wait to talk to him. Make sure you do me a favor and uh, like and subscribe and share these videos and all that stuff. And it really helps me out and helps the channel and helps wrestling. And God bless all of you. Thanks so much. Hey! What's up? How you doing, up, buddy? Tim? Can you hear me? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Awesome. I'm good. How's it going? That's a beautiful that's a beautiful room you got there. Yeah, thanks. We're back in climbing. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. That thing is ginormous. You can land a plane in that thing. You can. You actually can. It's seventy five yards long. Awesome. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to do this, dude. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Nice nice shirt. I yeah. Do you remember that you gave me this? Yeah. Yeah, we were at the Olympic trials, and I was like, I like that jacket. And you're you like, like that, yeah. Yeah, he took it off, <laughs> and he gave it to me. And right right then, I was like, if he's still coaching, when my son wants to wrestle, if he's good enough, uh, I'm, I'm sending him to Ohio State. So. Good. Yeah. That'd be good. How fun would that be? So how you been? What's, what's, what's quarantine been like? Um, uh, it's been okay. I'm starting to get back on stage, and uh, I just got back from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm doing a little okay. bit of work and all that, but um, it's been, it's had its moments, it's been kind of trying, how, how are you guys doing, are you able to train right now and everything? We're back in the room finally, Okay. yeah, we were out March 11th, March 11th we were moved out, and then we were not back in until this Monday. Yeah, uh, any word, when does the, the season officially begin, do you even know yet? I do, so we have a call, um, we have a call tomorrow, actually. Let me take a look and see. Um, let me see. We, we have a call at uh, Friday to discuss this. Um, you know, finalize the Big Ten schedule, but we won't start before January for sure. Okay. That's the earliest well, That's the earliest that we'll start. And, and I was just talking to my friend about it. Are they getting, like, an extra year now? How's that work? Yeah, it's pretty... You know, I'm not really for what they did. Which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the decision that they made. Um, so basically, they gave everyone a year back, which I think makes sense. So I'm for that. What I'm not for is the fact that every senior is exempt from the 9.9 total. So if you're a current senior and you want to come back, you get the year back. Um, and you get to stay on your scholarship amount. So it's, it's set up. It's set up. A uh, an advantageous situation for any team that's got a lot of seniors because okay. their senior money is now exempt from the 9.9. So if you happen to have five seniors that are really good, they can return, and, the, and, the, and that money doesn't count against their program. But when you say that, you don't mean like Colin Moore and those guys get to come back, right? Unfortunately, right. That's the only class that got hurt. So only last year's seniors lost a year. Man, that, everybody I, else gets the year back, so it only hurt one class. And I think, you know, the NCAA wanted to minimize the suffering, right? So now you've only got one class, Colin Moore and Pletcher's class, that's lost a year. Every other class can have that year back. Yeah, which stinks for you because both of those guys were. I don't want to say shoe-ins, but uh, to make the finals at least, and, you know, especially, yeah. especially Colin. Yeah, Colin was 29-0, and, you know, he was wrestling great. 
<clears throat> so yeah, it was it was heartbreaking for him and his family, no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, how how devastated were you when they canceled NCAs? I mean, I was I was really upset for them. You know, I was upset for the, for them. I mean, the seniors the worst. You know, because it was their last chance, and you know, and, and, and then even obviously anyone that qualified. You know, so it was, it was a tough time. Yeah. You know, devastated is not a fair word for me. You know, with that, you know, it was it was it was it was difficult. I would say difficult. That wasn't tragic. It was difficult. And yeah, you know, these guys are pretty well rounded, and I mean, they were really bummed, and and all of them get another chance at it, except for Colin and Luke. You know, yeah. So those are the two that hurt that hurts the most now. Yeah, it's because they're not going to get that chance back, but everybody else will. In fact, Sasso, you know, we really thought Sasso could win. Yeah, as a freshman, we thought he was going to win. And now, you know, he can still be a four-timer. Yeah. So that year is a wash for him. Yeah. Well, he had a great uh, he had a great season to uh, you know have an extra one if that's how you want to look at it. Um, and yeah. He, and he definitely was uh, one of the one of the favorites. I really enjoyed watching him. What a what a grinder that kid! You can't count him out of anything. Yeah. No, he's a real competitor. Yeah. You know, we talk about you know being this this extreme competitor. That's Sammy. You know, you can have talent and toughness and all these things, but you got you've got to be a serious competitor. He is. Yeah. Yeah. How did uh, how did Pletcher and Moore? How did they handle it? I mean, I, I know they've got pretty good heads on their shoulders. How did they? You know, I think they're both really mature and they live in a real world. And it's like, well, um, the truth is that the season's over, my career's over. So let me live in truth and not get caught up in the anger. And the frustration, and uh, let me just carry the disappointment with me and move forward. Yeah. I think you know they're just pretty special that way. Yeah, and which is why you're right number one in the country, right? Which is why in such a competitive sport with so many tough people, they can separate themselves is because of the minds that they have, the way they see things and view things. Yeah, I was you know? I was so looking forward to seeing uh, Pletcher and Nick Lee again. I mean that that. That Big Ten final they had was great, and uh, yeah, I was I was really devastated for both those guys. The rubber match would have been glorious, huh? Yeah, if, it, if they both made it, which I think you know they probably likely would have. There were some real tough guys in there, though. But yeah, yeah, we're all bummed being at that one. Yeah how uh, how does your team look this year? We look good. Yeah, we got a good group. We've got some proving to do with certain weight classes, but these guys are close and they know the standard and. They all they, they, they all hold themselves to a high standard. There's a couple of weights that we got to get a lot of production out of. You know, 33, 57, 97. You know, those are weights that are really gonna really gonna play a big role. 25 yeah. for us. Um, but there'll be some heated wrestlers. I think the thing that's nice, or the thing that was has been good for us as a staff. You know, through this challenging time, being off the map for six months. You know, we. We have, well, they weren't off the map for six months. They were out of this room, but they were trained. But what we have that's really nice is we have a really competitive lineup. So we're too deep, you know, in most weight classes. And anybody that can't find, uh, you know, the deep motivation can just look to the left or to the right and realize that, you know, in most teams, you'd be a starter pretty easily. Yeah. But in this place, you know, we're, you know, we'll, we'll need more of you than that. So. Uh, the competitiveness of the room right now, I think, really drove drove these guys over the summer. Yeah, 
I really like Malik Heinzelman. Is he is he going to be the guy at twenty five, or is he going to is he going to have some competition as well? Yeah, he's going to be the guy, and, and um, you know I like him too. You know I think Malik has incredible speed. He's got great technique, and now it's about Malik becoming a little more physical and just really believing in himself. You know he's got to really believe in himself because it, when, when when he when he develops a mindset uh, with his speed late in the third period, he should own. Because the third period is about lactate and your legs rigging, right? You're coming around the, yeah. the last turn on the quarter mile. And speed is dangerous uh, if you have it uh, late in the third period. And he has it. So now he just needs to align his mind with his speed. But I'm excited about it. He works hard all summer. He loves his sport. He's respectful. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he certainly missed it his high school. And when he's done here, he'll be missed here as well. Jordan Decatur is another guy that I really enjoyed wrestling. I mean, he he watching wrestling, he he could take down anybody in the country. And uh, is he going to have? Uh, is he going to be the guy at thirty three? You think, or is there going to be? Uh, he seems he seems to have the advantage right now. There's a couple of guys that might move down and try to challenge him. But you know, Jordan is just another one that, when his mindset lines up with his talent and his belief in himself and his willingness to to really dig deep. And practice and, 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 and be really disciplined on a daily basis. I mean, the sky's the limit for the guy. Yeah. You know, he's got great speed. He's got skill. He's a lefty. He can go either side. Uh, he, he, can, he, he can ride. So now it's just a matter of really competing in practice, really getting himself ready. But yeah. we're excited about him. Do you, is he that... struggled. He had a rough year, man. He had a rough, he had a rough year. He came out of the blocks hot. You know, we threw him in against Arizona State. And he helped us win the dual meet. And then he struggled. He lost some heartbreaking matches and, his confidence started to, to, to wane. And at this level, confidence is really important. Yeah. Um, 41 is, uh, who you got at 41? So 41, we have we have a couple of guys. You know, the, the one that everyone's watching probably the most closely is Anthony Echemendia. Okay. And he's, this, he's, the, he's the Cuban uh, defector. And we also have in our, in our room uh, Dylan D'Amelio. Now, Dylan was a four-time Ohio high school state champ who has a tireless work ethic, and he will not take a backseat to anybody. So that'll be a fun wrestle. Yeah. Echemendia, how does that guy make 141 pounds? <laughs> he looks like a 180-pounder. He does. He does. He's hollow. Yeah. Human bones are different, I think. I don't know. I'm no, I'm no scientist, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah. I think that statement alone made it pretty clear I'm no scientist. So. Yeah. I believe the human bone is the human bone. So... But Echemendia, um, you know, he has a lot to offer. He has incredible power, explosiveness. He's tough. You know, he's used to a very tough system, you know, being in the Cuban training system. So, um, and he's a lover, yeah. which really matters. You know, he really he loves people. He loves the team. He loves the program. He's a, he's a uniter. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've I've noticed uh, I've noticed that's a big theme among your your program is uh, love and gratitude and and that kind of thing. And I got to tell you, you've helped me in ways that you don't even know about. Just from things I've seen you like in interviews, talk about like being a champion as being the best version of yourself. And you know, when you do those kind of things, um, you know, it makes a difference. And and I, I've noticed a difference. Like if I'm working out and I'm angry. I get tired so much quicker yeah. than if I'm just grateful for the fact that I'm mm. 
alive and healthy and you know all those kinds of things so i can only imagine it would it would help a lot in wrestling and if i could have my own career back i would certainly try to be more grateful about it you know yeah it's a simple it's a simple truth it's not easy to apply sometimes it sounds good it makes sense yeah but a lot of things that sound good it makes sense we just struggle at the times but yeah gratitude is is a, is a powerful tool um yeah. i wanted to talk a little bit about your own career um do you take a lot of what Gable taught you? Do you coach much like he did? Yeah, it was funny. It's funny you bring that up. I didn't. Yeah, this, this is like I, I woke up early, uh, like five o'clock, and I was just. Uh, I, I'm reading um, this 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 journal, and um, and I was listing out. Or I was just I was just kind of experiencing like a moment of gratitude. And let, let me share. This is this is pretty wild. Um, I was listing out the people whose whose lives have crossed mine, right? These amazing these amazing coaches and help and help. It's, it's just a lineage of coaches of people that have, have have worked with me, right? Or I've worked alongside, right? Jim Heffernan, uh, NCAA champ, the head coach, University of Illinois. I uh, wrestled Gene Mills, so Gene Mills was a you know legendary competitor. He coached me at Syracuse for two years, two time NCAA champ, Tbilisi champ, Chris Campbell. Chris was a Jersey guy, and anyone that's followed the sport for any length of time, this guy was super unique, super special, three-time champ, a two-time Olympian, right? Favorite to win the Olympics in 80, they boycott. 1979, he was rated the best wrestler in the world, pound for pound. Uh, he was a coach. He coached me for two years at Syracuse. Okay. Da- Dan Gable. So Chris was the assistant coach at Syracuse. Dan Gable. I think he needs no introduction. Jimmy Zaleski, three-time national champ. Lenny Zaleski, two-time finalist, Olympic alternate. Barry Davis, all those guys were two years with me for two years. Barry Davis, two years. Randy Lewis, Olympic champion, three years. Lincoln McRaby, three years. Uh, Terry Brands was my roommate, uh, you know, two-time champ, bronze, uh, Olympic bronze, four years beside him. Terry Steiner, four years behind Terry Steiner, women's Olympic coach. Wow. Uh, Troy Steiner, four-time All-American head coach, Fresno State. Mark Johnson, two-time finalist, Olympic alternate, three years. Uh, head coach at Oregon, Chris Edmond, national champion, three years at Hofstra. Olgar Aruja, his son is now a superstar at Cornell. Yeah. Two-time world champ, Olympic bronze medalist, three years at Hofstra. Donnie Pritzloff, two years together. Lou Roselli, nine years together. Training camps with Dave Schultz, Bruce Burnett. Uh, Joe Heskett, six years with Joe Heskett. Tommy Rollins, five years. Jay Jaggers, 15 years. Travel DeLegna, uh, 12 years. Bo Jordan, eight years. Logan Stever, ten years. So, and then Miles, but there's, there's so many more. Yeah, I actually, I actually had to get going with my day because I was listing <laughs> these things out. And I had to get going. But you talk about just blessings. Yeah, I mean, great men, brilliant technicians, great leaders. You know, and how important it is, right? That that we just we align ourselves with people that can build us up. And I've just been blessed a million times over. Yeah. And think about the, you know, the tentacles, if you will, of Dan Gable and how it's all spread out and and all the people that coach it at all these different places. And and you can tie most of a lot of them rather back to Gable and just such a legend of the sport. What what would you say to people who ask you what made him such a great coach? Yeah, I would say so. The first thing that comes to mind for me was he was. uh, he was trustworthy, right? So trust always precedes progress. And when you believe 
in something, even if it's not 100% perfect, it's better than, um, right? So, so you know, uh, a great plan, believe, you know, an average plan believed in is way better than a great plan not believed in, yeah. right? So, so his trust, he just had so much, for me, I trusted him, right? Uh, he understood suffering, so which is, a, you know, uh, hard work. He understood hard work. Um, you know, we, I know that he went through a lot of tough things in his life. I mean, not only that he put himself through, but other things that he went through, right, that he didn't ask for in his life, the death of his sister. And so he, he had this, this, this sense about him, this, this awareness about him. I certainly learned about, you know, running a, 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 a calendar, right, when to push, when to, when to pull back a little bit. He was a master at peaking people. And it was almost like he lived inside your brain and he knew when to push and when to pull back. He was a masterful there. Um, but I'd say some of the, probably a couple of the things I think I, I took from him. But, you know, he was very, he had great emotional control. I mean, you know, he would get excited, but his, his words were very concise and very clear. And they were always, they were always truthful and they were never personal. You know, he was very careful with his tongue, I would say. You know, having having you know, you know the the ability to look back on this you know, twenty years ago or more. Heck, when was that? Twenty? Jeez, more than twenty? Thirty years ago? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, so some, some those are some of the things that you know were pretty unique about him. Yeah. Did he get Did he get angry ever? Like, if you guys lost and that kind of thing, did he get angry at individual or the team or otherwise? I mean, well, I mean, it's interesting you ask that, and this isn't to be in any way like arrogant or boastful we just really didn't lose yeah right so so i mean so that's an interesting statement because because first of all he didn't he didn't lose much in any of his career right so you you you, you i guess you learn a lot more about people you know in the hard times and the good times and the teams that, that i was on with gable were good times right there really wasn't a lot to yell i mean what do you yell at the brands <laughs> you can yell at the steiner brothers zapital rylan chelsea I mean, we had 10, we had, you know, when I got there, we had 11 All-Americans in 10 weights. Yeah. Right? So the team was loaded. But I would say that um, he, he, he definitely, he demanded excellence, right? And it wasn't about winning or losing. It was just more about, uh, he understood a baseline level of excellence. He understood this is, this is what excellence looks like, is what it trains like, is what it lives like, and that was the standard they expected you to to uphold. Yeah. You know. Do you have a uh, particular favorite memory of being in Iowa, or are there just tons of them? I mean, there's a lot of good memories. I, I, I really enjoyed the place. You know, um, there's a lot of good people. A lot of, you know, when you're around people that think like you and, and want to be great, it's a very uplifting place to be. Um, I mean, Terry and I, you know, living with Terry for three years was always lots of fun. Yeah. There's never a dull moment living with Terry Brands. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I would just, I don't know if anything in particular. You know, the wrestling was, it was, it was a good piece of it, and just, you know, some of the friendships there were a good piece. But uh, I don't think any one thing, you know, stands out. I think having the Nationals in, in Iowa City was a really fun, fun experience getting ready for. Mm-hmm. You know, losing in the, in the waning seconds of a match is, is never fun in the finals, but... But just preparing and knowing it was in Iowa City, you know, the odds of being a, you know, a, a student athlete 
um, and, and having an event in your, in the town that you're competing in of that caliber was pretty unique, you know, yeah. so that was, that was pretty cool. So Terry was your roommate for three years and I know he didn't lose a whole lot, but was it hard to live with him? The rare times that he did lose? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, Terry is, Terry is, I mean, the guy's, he's just, he's wonderful. Like when I think of Terry Brands, you know, if he's in the heat of competition, he'll, he'll say something goofy or, you know, that's, but he was really a blessing to live with. He was um, incredibly disciplined. I mean, obviously he poured his life into the support, into the sport. Um, he was fun. He was, I mean, there were times when he would relax. You know, we both lost uh, our junior in the finals. Um, he lost to Kelber in a heartbreaking match. Kelber was super tough. He got, he got caught in the cradle, I believe, for, for, for points that set him back pretty far. And you know, coming back, we didn't have enough. So, you know, I got to, you know, walk alongside him through that loss. And, you know, both of us, you know, looking forward to winning it the following year, which he did and I didn't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was, he was, you know, he was, he was, you know, we, 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 we had a very good system of nutrition. I mean, every day, 1130, we, we, you know, so Sunday we would make pasta for the week. We'd grill chicken for the week. We'd put it in vats and then you'd come home from class and grab the pasta, grab the chicken, throw it in my grave, put a little sauce on it. So, um, you know, it was a, we had a good system going. And then Sunday night was our let go, you know, free night. We had Sundays with ice cream and, and, and uh, some chocolate syrup. So that was a Sunday night special. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of good memories with, 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 with Terry. Yeah, I, when when uh, when I stayed with that time at the Olympic trials, you told me that they had some pretty legendary fights and some people wanted to let it go and you were the guy that was always trying <laughs> to break it up. Yeah, I didn't like it. You know, I didn't like it. You know, I don't think anyone found it funny, but they let it go. Yeah. You know, because because they're both extremely powerful people, and and you know, in the midst of an argument and a, and a, and, a, and anger, they actually could have, you could actually one of them could get hurt, and I didn't want to see that. So you know, whether it was a monopoly game or a sprint, and one started for the other, you know, leaned in or pushed other one back, and it was always it was always we were always you know we were always playing with with, with dynamite. You know, when you're with the brands, you you never knew when it was going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, those are the type of teammates that, you know, you long for, you know, in the big picture. The things that they did well, you know, were so, were so, um, uh, they, they were so like, you, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you wanted, you, you wanted more of the good things they did, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, really fortunate. I mean, they were, they were two of the main reasons why I transferred. Oh, really? Know? Yeah. Did you know them already or just from watching them with the way they competed? Yeah. So I wrote, you know, you probably know I wrote that book, Chosen Suffering, recently. And in the book, I talk about what, you know, you know, what was the, um, you know, the reason why I, you know, left Syracuse that full scholarship and walked on in Iowa. And there were, there were, there were many reasons. But one of them was the night before we wrestled uh, at the Penn State Open. I was wrestling Penn State in a dual meet. So I was on the Syracuse team, and I asked my teammates, who wants to go watch this dual meet? So I think me and my brother went. My brother was a teammate at Syracuse. He was the captain. He wrestled the warrior above me. And we went to the dual meet, and I just remember the intensity that Tom wrestled at. Uh, I don't think Terry was in the lineup that night because a guy named Steve Martin, he and Steve were battling it out for the starting spot okay. at the time. But Tom wrestled uh, Martin, uh, 
not Steve Martin, uh, was Dave Martin, no, it was, uh, remember the Martin, little stud, little Jeremy, uh, no, uh, not Jeremy Hunter, Martin, what the heck was his name? His last name was Martin, he's a doctor now, he's a fantastic wrestler, he was so good. Okay. And it was a, it was a war, and I was in the bleachers just salivating, I'm like, you know, I have a visual of what I want to wrestle like, you know, and, and I felt like, you know, the only way to wrestle like that is to be around it. Yeah. Right? So, so if you're around it, you get an understanding of what it takes to, to be like it, right? So, so at that time, I was ready. I was ready to go, and I finished the season there. And then at the end of that, my sophomore year, um, is when I packed my car and left. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about uh, um, what you're what you're telling me about those guys, and 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 you know, looking back on my career, what I would do if I would just walk on to a team like that and just see how good I could have got, you know, um, I know yeah. I would have got the hell beat out of me and all that kind of thing, but I I, yeah. I I wish I could do it over because I would, you know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, when you're when you're cool. yeah, when you're younger, you you've got the brain, you bought the body, but you don't always have the brain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I had a lot of support around me. You know, my dad, you know, obviously you leave a full scholarship. That's that's not an easy thing to do. I was comfortable. You know, my brother was my roommate. We've been roommates for two years. He was a senior. So it's tough. You know, he was my main training partner. He was really he was really good. So to leave him his senior year, you know, that wasn't easy, uh, you know, being his main training partner. But I just, you know, I just felt that, you know, I knew that at some point in my life there'd be no more breaths, and I did not want to be wondering, you know, why didn't you take that chance? You know, why didn't you take that? Well, I, I, I can, I don't, I, you know, it's, it wasn't a sloppy risk, right? It's not about sloppy risk. It was to me, I knew who they had, and you know, Doug Stryker was there, and he was an All-American in my weight that year. But I felt like uh, it was the thing that I should do. And I got a lot of love and support the whole way through it. You know, no one ever said to me, come on, knucklehead. What are you doing, man? Should I throw away a full scholarship? Are you stupid? You know, so I didn't, I didn't have any of that. You know, I didn't have any of that burden. You know, it was always, you know, think big and chase, chase the big dream. But know that, you know, obviously know that it's not going to be easy. Yeah. You run into some people out there that are tougher than you've seen before. Yeah, well... It's so awesome that you were able to do that at such a young age because a lot of people would not have been able to leave a scholarship and all that. And, and, and look at the fact that, you know, someday you're not going to be alive. And, you know, so it, it, being comfortable isn't the most important thing, you know. Yeah. Um, what do you remember most about your finals match with uh, Pat Smith? Hmm. Um, the final score? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember the whole thing, right? I remember... You know, I remember from the handshake to the, to the points that were scored. It's really funny. It's, I've, I've told this story, and, and this story isn't to – I mean, Pat Smith is a great champion. I mean, Pat Smith was – I mean, he was the first one to win four. Yeah. You know, and, and he was a great competitor. And you know, I have the utmost respect for him. You know, we're, we're, I'm one and two against him, right? I beat him the first time. He beat me the, the two that mattered. I beat him in some obscure tournament and then he won the the ones that mattered. So, um, but I remember, I remember this. I remember when we went out of bounds uh, with about 25, 30 seconds to go. I remember thinking to myself, this is crazy. 
right? You, I, I spend a lot of time with my team where we focus a lot on full attention, right? Like, like right now, have your full attention. You're listening to what I'm saying, right? You're processing it, and you're and you're you're fully engaged. And how critical that is in our life, in anything that we're doing, full attention. So you would think that with 25 seconds to go in the national finals and being up by one, you have my full attention. <laughs> so, so I actually, ref- I, I, I go out of bounds, I look at the clock, and I'm walking back to the center. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm, I'm going to win. And I remember reflecting on a conversation I had with my, with my technical coach, Jimmy Zaleski, just a week earlier. We, we, we had dinner, and I asked him, what was it like? I was convinced I was going to win. Even I was convinced I was going to win the tournament. I said, Jimmy, tell me what it was like the first time you won. The first time he won three. And he he shared it with me. And he's like, just a euphoric feeling. And I remember thinking like, any second now, I'm going to have this euphoric feeling. Oh, gosh. Right? (laughs) So we go back to the center. And as soon as I put my foot in the line, his mind said, I'm going out of bounds. I'm coming back to the center, reflecting on, you know, the celebration I'm going to have. And he's coming back to the center thinking, I won it last year. I'm winning it again. I'm getting this takedown. And you talk about conflicting mindsets. Yeah. His mindset, he was thinking initiative. Mine was thinking protect or whatever I was thinking. And he scores on me. So it's really funny, though. What happens is, you know, 25 years go by. We win the Nationals in 15. Now, I remember after it took me down, I was going to reverse him. And this is my memory. I'd love to get him on a call, too, and talk. I have a lot of respect for him. It's all cool. I mean, he beat me fair and square. Yeah. He's better. Right? So I, 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 my life can go on knowing that I'm, I, everything's good. So he takes me down, and I'm going to reverse him. Like, I feel I have height. I, I'm higher than him. So, so you know, you, you've been in enough positions to know when you have an advantage over your partner. I'm going to reverse him. I'm going to get my two, and I'm going to win the match. Because I'm down one now. Up one. Takes me down. I'm down one. So somehow he stops me, and I'm like, this guy is superhuman. Like, I had every angle advantage, and he still was that much strong, that strong. Yeah. So I fast forward, life goes on. In 2015, we win the Nationals. This guy sends me, a, one of my supporters sends me an email. He said, you have been watching your match closely. You know, with about 10 seconds to go, it looked like you were going to reverse him, and he grabs your head here. And I'm like, what? So this is like... 25 years after the match, <laughs> I had watched the match 5,000 times just to torture myself. Yeah. Right? So, and, and I'm like, what are you talking about? So anyway, I go back and look, and there's a point where it's clear as day, and now it all, right? it's all connecting again. It's like I had him, and I didn't have him. So anyway, he just fingers. His hands got caught inside my headgear, and it was keeping my core. It was extending my core from coming forward. So anyway... That's my Pat. That's my Pat Smith story. <laughs> but he didn't do it. You don't think he did it on purpose? No, I, I don't know if he did it on purpose or not. I yeah. Mean, if he did, he got away with it. It was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the bottom line is the ref didn't see it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, have you guys have never spoken about it. Not about the headgear pull. No, we've never. I didn't know until 2015, and it's funny because I sent the video. I sent the picture of it. I have a picture. You can see I freeze frame it, and he's pulling me backward. I sent it to Gable in 2015. I sent it to Gable, and I sent it to, to Logan Stever because Logan had just won his fourth title. And I said, hey, you know, I coached a four-timer and I lost to a four-timer, <laughs> right? 
But uh, but but I got cheated. No, I'm, I'm kidding, right? I'm I'm, I'm completely kidding. But look, right. so I sent it to Logan. I sent it to Gable. Hey, I got I got cheated. So Gable responds with, "Gable, right? <laughs> this is 25 years ago. Your team just won the national. Stop bothering me, you stupid stuff." Right? So, so it's Gable, right? So then Logan Stever says to me, he responds. I emailed it to him the photo. So Logan responds with, "Wow, coach, that's 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 unbelievable." He said, "You ought to, uh, you ought to send that clip into um, the NCAA, and maybe they'll let you re wrestle the last ten seconds." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, um, you only lost I, by I, one, so they'd have to give you a point. I guess then you'd have to go in. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to go in overtime. So <laughs> was anyway, that, was, um, was that the hardest? That's what I remember. I remember a lot about the match, and and uh, so it was long gone, and, and and I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Was that the hardest loss you ever took as a competitor? That's funny. I mean, uh, I would say my, my senior year in high school was a painful loss, even though okay. the stakes weren't as high. Um, I, I was hurt. I got hurt in the first round. Uh, I, I tore all the ligaments in my ankle, okay. and I was heavily favored to win the tournament. So I had to wrestle the next round with, 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 with one leg, and the guy hit a high crotch, and I cement shot him. I, I, well, I wouldn't have been able to beat him, I don't think. I said, then job. And then, so then I went to bed that night and of course it blows up and we go to the ER in the morning and I asked uh, the surgeon if he would please shoot it, numb it. I can't, there's no way I can wrestle. And he said, listen, it's too dangerous. We can't do it. My dad was with me. So I tried to wrestle and I ended up losing two to one to the eventual, eventual state champion. Wow. So that was a really painful loss for me because that was a lot of time, you know, that went into, you know, and, and, um, you know, the expectation it was, it was, I think it was it was un, it was it was unfathomable to come home not to stay champion. Like there's there's no there's no, there's there's no way. Like this tournament I've done so I've poured so much work into this. This thing is settled. We're going to shake hands beforehand. Yeah. Every match, but I was really ready. But it doesn't matter sometimes, you know. Yeah. Life 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 happens. So you totally know how you know different level of the sport at the time, but you totally know how pleasure and more felt then. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, and you know, I know how they felt uh, to some degree. You know, um, you know, going into wrestling matches, there's always a chance you can get hurt, right? There's always a chance you can get beat. But in the long hundred year history of the NCAA wrestling tournament, there was never a chance that a virus would you know sweep across the, the globe and and be the factor in you winning a championship. So I don't exactly know what they feel because I've never felt it. Yeah, but uh, you know, we were there with them, and it was a it was a really tough time for them, and and uh, you know, it just you know sometimes you just right you embrace the suck and you move forward with life. Yeah, and you carry that suck with you, so they'll carry it with them and they'll move forward like like men. Yeah, I mean that's one one thing I'm going to teach my boy is sometimes, son, the only thing you can do is suck it up. <laughs> that's what <I> said, <laughs> that, that's all like, you can do. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, you could right. You could, um, you could um, uh, spend time in the back corner of a tavern, uh, telling everybody how good you were. Sure. Right, and how you were the number one man in the country. And uh, since then, you know, you've been drinking a lot in the corner. Twenty years later, <laughs> you know, so that's an option. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a terrible option, and far worse than the option of just sucking it up and yeah. and moving forward. Yeah, but it is an option. 
Yeah, I think everybody knows that guy who who to this day talks about like what what happened to him at regionals, and I'm like, I know, dude, I get it, but <laughs> you're 40 now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Regionals is a long time. <laughs> What's going on now? Um, yeah. Who would you say the toughest guy you've ever wrestled? Doesn't even have to be in a in a match. Just toughest period. Mm. Not uh, even the best. I, What's that? Not even the best necessarily, just yeah, the toughest. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the toughest. I would say um, Lincoln Macray was really tough. We had we had great scraps. I mean, I would wrestle with Tom and Terry. I mean, even though I was a 58-pounder and they were 26, 34 pounds, they were really tough. Uh, this kid, Eric Schmiesing, was really tough at Hoff. He's a tough guy. Um, Royce Alger was tough. Yeah, I bet. Roy, yeah, Royce was tough. Um yeah, I mean, I've been really fortunate to wrestle, practice with a lot of people that are just gritty. And, you know, you knew the Steiner brothers were tough. You know, you knew, you know, it's funny, you know, I got to a place where when I was tired coming into practice, right? So maybe your body was a little run down from the night, from, from uh, you know, the practice before the day before his practice and you're a little beat up. I mean, those are the days when you, when you actually, I learned to look for the guys that were really tough, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a day to look for an easy way, but it was a day to find someone that was really gritty and really tough and would actually drag you through the workout. Yeah. Right. If you had any, if you have any competitive desire or self pride whatsoever, you know, you never want to be the guy in practice that's got his head down and letting someone run behind him. And, uh, so it was a really good time to be around tough people. It's those, 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 those are some of them. I mean, I, I've, I'm sure there's many more than that. Sure. Those um, are some. You've coached a, a lot of great guys, but two of the, the best on any level are Logan Steber and Kyle Snyder. Uh, what made those guys special? Um, so I think at some point, you know, some, some, some people wrestle, they get into wrestling, they love it, and then they stay in it because they're good at it. Right? They're just, it's like it's an identity, right? And they're good at it, so they stay in it. Yeah. But that is not something that will, that will, that, that is, that, that mind, that, that thinking will not cause someone to continue to progress. Uh, so I would say that what, what, what progresses the, the steadiest in a, in a steady incline is deep love. Okay. Right? A deep, a deep, an app, an absolute love for it. And Logan, and Kyle both had a deep love for it. So, so that's one thing. They both had incredible emotional control. Uh, in, the, in the toughest moments, they were calm. Okay. Quite frankly, almost in all moments, they were calm. I would say initiative. Was it, was it, was it, it's a trait. Initiative, right? It, it's, it's being a problem solver. Figuring things out. You know, this position's not working. I'm going to... I'm going to work on it, or or you're in a match and you know you're taking the initiative to be the aggressor. They would so that's another thing, initiative, aggression. Both of them extremely aggressive people. Not off the mat. I mean Logan. I mean Logan. You know wouldn't wouldn't you know step on a a, a worm that's been rained out of its ground and is slipping across. I mean he's just a calm, nice, kind person. Same with Kyle. I, I, I'd be well. I know that up into college, neither one of them had ever even been in a fight in their life on the playground or 
you know, someone kicked the ball at you and you got mad. And, I mean, nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's just very, but, but, you know, but put them on a wrestling mat. Yeah. And uh, so aggression, high IQ, very high IQ of um, just, just awareness, positional awareness through, through, through repetitions, through repetition. So I think those are some of the traits that those guys, you know, those guys had that were both talented enough. You know, they would, you know, I don't think either one of them you would say, you know, you know, uh, you know, were were like off the charts talented. They were talented, sure, but they had attributes. You know, incredible habits. You get up early. You know, um, you take care of your own business. You take care of good CEOs of their life. So those are just a bunch of things. I think when I think of those guys, you know, they were turning to never in my office ever, never a conversation about anything. Yeah, they were professionals. You know. Can, can you put into words how freak strong Logan Steber is? I, I mean, I can only tell a quick story, and that's when he was like 105 pounds, and I loved him. I just got the job at Ohio State. I had just gotten the job at Ohio State, and I, it, it was a clinic going on. I was doing a clinic, and Logan came to the clinic. And, of course, I wanted to befriend Logan. Right? I wanted to become uh, friends with him to get him to come to Ohio State. And he's a sophomore in high school, and he was a 105-pounder. And... Um, uh, you know, he, um, hang on, I'm sorry. Sorry, my wife's, we just, I'm in my office upstairs. Yeah, I'm on a Zoom with my man here, Tim. So, uh, so anyway, um, uh, so I set up this clinic and, and he comes to the clinic and we wrestled and I had to be 175 pounds. And anyway, everyone's watching you know, the new Ohio State wrestling coach roll around this little superstar in high school. <laughs> And uh, he double legs me, and he picks me up in the air, and he throws me down. Wow! And I was trying, like I was, I was trying. Yeah. And uh, so after we're sitting along the mat, and I go, "Hey, that double leg was, you know, to go low and drive through and high. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a rare thing. You don't see it a lot. You hit low, and the, the ability to drive through something, take them. Burroughs has it. Steeper had it. You just don't see it that often. So anyway, I'm sitting next to him, and I go, "Hey, that was really nice." And he said, um, "Well, yeah, it only works on." <laughs> It only works on old people. And he was a little sophomore, so I'm like, man, this kid's tough. And he's got a great personality. I love this kid. So, anyway, that's Logan Stever. He's yeah. a gem. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry about that. It's okay. Um, I was going to ask, how great did that team title feel? It felt incredible. Yeah. That yeah, was one of the highlights. You know, it was certainly one of the highlights of a competitive uh, career, uh, it, it, you know, just to be a part of something and the first one, it's unique, right? And everyone knew Ohio State, you know, was capable of these things, and and to be a part of it was really was really cool. You know, a lot of alumni. Obviously, the phone was exploding that night with people that you know had given so much for so many years to try to get Ohio State to that level. So it was a, it was a special night. Yeah. I yeah. want more, you know, even second five times. Yeah, oh, wow. Has it been that many? Yeah, five or five seconds now. Second, third. Um, you know, the, the 2018 hurt my soul bad. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. That hurt bad. And nine. Nine hurt really bad. Dude, I, yeah. Nine, nine hurt bad. I was watching it on my couch when uh, when Miles took Bo down like that, and I jumped off my couch, and then also I was like... <gasps> <laughs> It was surreal. Oh, it was man. Surreal. It was, it was, right, it was just, uh, you know, it reminded me of that wide, wide world of sports beginning, 
you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and the guy's coming down the chute and the skier, the skier's coming down, the ski jumper's coming down and he catches an edge and he goes from this pure beauty, this essence of speed and, and, and beauty to just wiping out and he goes flying through the air and he hits the fence. And, uh, I mean, that was kind of the moment uh, for us and it fell for miles and, and it was a tough, tough moment. But, um, yeah, so 18 hurt, 9 hurt. We, I, I, you know, we were awfully close to grabbing those. Were you ever more shocked, um, speaking of Miles, um, I didn't think there was a bigger lock for anybody to win a title the year that he got right. third. Um, was, were you completely just shocked? I mean, nobody in, nobody in the building, if, if they, except maybe his parents, um, thought that you know thought that he was going to lose that match. Was that one of the hardest moments for you as a coach? I mean, you know, you know, the, the, the objective here isn't you know to to make Miles feel bad, right? Sure. But that was probably one of the, if not the biggest, most disappointing match I, I you know I've watched, and he and I have talked about it, and you know we've talked about it and reflected on it, and. You know, he was a little. He was getting a little tired. You know, I mean, not in that match, but he had wrestled at the world championships. You know, and, and what Kyle Snyder, which puts in perspective what Kyle Snyder did, because look, there's nothing against Dean, and, and, and Dean, if he was if he was on the call right now, there's nothing we would say differently. My hats off to him. Yeah, but he wasn't within ten points of miles. It was one of those matches. It was going on, and that's nothing against Dean. Dean is really good. Sure, but Miles was that good. And he beat him by ten twice already, and. He just was off a little bit, and every almost takedown went into a weird stalemate. And then the only way he could have lost was the way he did, and that was a long, a long scramble that ends with no time in the clock. Yeah. Right? Basically no time. That's the only way. Because if he had 10 seconds left, he could go get a takedown when he wanted. So, and I think it's been, so Miles, I think the year, you know, we had him on the world team, and, you know, we, we, we believe as a staff in – even though they're, they're student-athletes of Ohio State, we believe in developing them. They want to make world teams, and we should support that. Right? You only have so many years to make the U20 team, U23 team. So sure. we sent him overseas. I think he was a little fatigued, he was a little tired, a little drained, all the competition. And as I was saying, I think it speaks volumes to what Kyle was able to do. I mean, to win three titles, uh, NCAA, to win two worlds and an Olympics in the midst of a season – Mm-hmm. Is, is mind-blowing to be able to peak uh, that many times. Now, now, now in a, that was a three-year period. From the time he won the Olympics, right, the Olympics, or the Nationals, to the time he won his third national title, it was three years. And you just have to be really, you have to be really aware of a lot of things to be that good that often, that many times, and for things to go your way every single time. Yeah. So yeah, it hurt. I fell for miles. I mean, it was, it was, it was. It's still, a, it's still, you know, that one still will stay with you because, I mean, miles on any other weekend. I mean, you know, he wrestled. Um, who won it? He beat Dean in the finals. That you and I. Uh, Foster. Um, Foster, yeah, Foster. And nothing against Foster was a tremendous wrestler, but yeah. he wrestled Foster a few weeks later and teched him in the first period. Right. Wow. And he'll see Foster. He might see Foster this this weekend actually in that flow event. But it was really hard, and it was painful, and I felt for his family. And you know, we, we thought for sure Miles would leave Ohio State at least a two-time champ. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you win it as a true freshman, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, Miles has moved on. He's trying to make world teams and, and doing well. Yeah, and he had a great career, and and he was one of the most fun yeah. guy, fun guys to watch. He was so smooth, and 
and it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. yeah, yeah. absolutely beautiful. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you a little bit about you have a very strong faith. Did uh, mm-hmm. did that come to you later in life? And and like, did you always have it from a young man or a kid or where did it come from? Well. I, I, I was raised Catholic and went to church every week with my mom. My mom was a, a strong figure in our lives. You know, mom and dad divorced. Uh, you know, I talk about this in, 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 in the book a little bit, but, but uh, you know, they divorced when, when, when I was young. And, uh, but mom took us to church every week. And I would say that I wasn't agnostic. I wasn't an atheist. I, I, never, I never contemplated there not being a God, but I certainly never gave whether or not the reality of God was real and not much thought, right? It's just, I was busy. I was busy being a kid. I was being busy being a young adult. I was busy being a wrestler. I was busy being a dad. I was busy being a coach. I was busy trying to support a family. I was busy, you know, recruiting and raising a team. The world just had me really busy. So I hadn't thought about it. And the thing is that my in my busyness, things were going well. You know, I had a house and two cars and a pool and I had a great team at Hofstra and I had lots of friends and, and, I had enough in my life that things were going well. So it really, it really was not a thought for me. And uh, until, you know, until tragedy strikes. And when you're stripped of something that you would be willing to die for, uh, life gets really quiet. And, you know, obviously I would die for a few things. And my kids are certainly things that I'd gladly die for. Yeah. Uh, um, like any parent would. So they were my, they were my priceless, right? So precious, their value can't be determined. You know, I think it's important that we all know what those things are in our lives. And then we should move toward those things with a lot of our time and energy. So my priceless was my family on February 16, 2004. You know, we lost our five-year-old son to a massive heart attack at the dinner team. And that loss uh, caused uh, a pain that, you know, if losing the national finals on a scale of, you know, what was a 10, this was, you know, a trillion, right? So, you know, one was difficult and one was tragic. And, and it, it caused so much pain in my life that I, it actually quieted my world and made me think about um, whether or not God is real. And it was a journey that I went on that, that I would encourage everybody to go on. But the problem is that for a lot of us, when things are going well, we're not interested in, in digging deeply on things and, and learning about truth. And uh, so for me, uh, the deep pain caused me to, to search for truth, not for God. I didn't go on a quest to find Jesus or this, this, this spirit in the sky, right? I just went on a quest for truth, and I weighed facts. I weighed things that, that you just can't, you can't argue the things that I weighed. And then I had this, you know, I took a piece of paper, and on the left side was God, and the right side was no God. Because when I lost my five-year-old son, my, 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 my older son asked me, um, where is he? When we came back from the hospital, and he wasn't with us, my wife and I came back. The kids waited at the house when we took them to the, the ER. We followed the ambulance to the to the uh, to the hospital. When they told us that they, they they couldn't save him, when we drove back to the house, 
my kids came running out the front door. They were they were 11, 8, and 3 at the time. T was 5. And they asked me, you know, where is he? And I couldn't answer. Well, my purpose in life switched from the things that it was on February So the priorities of my life switched from the night before we lost team to the night after we lost team. So I was just very focused. I became very focused on this answer. Um, and I dug in and I studied and I learned. And then at the end of this studying and learning, I had a lot of information. And then like we do with every thing we choose, we, 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 we compile information we choose. And I chose that God is real. That so, so that's when my faith journey really began. Yeah, uh, was 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 February sixteenth, two thousand and four. Well, and that was an important part of my life. And I don't run around, you know, you know, it's something, you know, that John, uh, John fifteen fourteen fifteen says basically that I am your friend. You are not my servant. I am your friend, and I will always be your friend. And that's what Jesus tells us. So, so I, I believe that. And it's a relationship. It's a friendship. And I don't always listen to him. And when I don't, uh, things don't go as well as when I do. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people on this earth that probably wish they were closer friends with him. You know, more people that aren't friends wish they were than are and wish they weren't. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the process in my life. You know, I've always believed in God and I've always prayed and everything. But I, I want to be... <laughs> I want to be a better Christian, and I want to be uh, closer to God, and I've been actively trying to, and it's crazy the people that God puts in my life when I actively try to do that, and mm-hmm. so I'm I'm reading the Bible, which is something I've never really done, and I was going to ask you, like, how would you advise somebody to go about reading the Bible? It's kind of daunting, you know? It is extremely daunting, and I was, I was knowledgeless. On February 16, 2004, I had no knowledge, no understanding of Scripture, and and I was again, I was I was pursuing truth, right? And on the on the on the on whether God was real or not, side I went to people that were way smarter than me, right? Like like when I when I chose wrestling partners, I chose people that were way better than me because they can teach me something. Yeah. So in this in this journey, I chose people smarter than me, and one of the people that had a huge impact on me was Lee Strobel. Now, Lee was an atheist, um, and then Lee had, had something happen in his life, and he went on the same journey that I went on, only he was a Yale, top of Yale Law School, right? His ACT score was probably a 36, and mine was a 23, <laughs> right? So, so his brain, I just felt like his brain could comprehend more than mine, as much as God makes it easy enough for any brain to comprehend but for me, at that time, I wanted to go to the smartest minds. What do they believe? I want to go to people that studied it for years and years and poured their life in it. What did they find? So the book, The Case for Christ, uh, helped me tremendously. That was Lee Strobel's book. Okay. Um, and then I was, I was learning scripture, and a buddy of mine who lost, became a buddy, he lost his name, Greg Truns, a very influential person in my life, because he was a wrestler, so I trusted him because he was a wrestler, he was a bond, but he also lost a daughter to brain cancer at four years old. And so year, many years before I lost T. So I connected with him immediately because he had suffered through the same things I suffered through. And we connected, right? So he told me to start. So the quick answer is John. 
he said to me, you know, like, like if I wanted to learn about Tim, right? Tim, God, God, you know, God forbid tomorrow was your last day on earth. And I want to learn more about you. Who do I go to? You know, what, what people in your life walked alongside you and you say, listen, man, Tim was hilarious. I mean, Tim was a serious comedian. He made people laugh. This is who he was. These are the things he said. These are the things he believed in. This is what he stood for, right? I would just go to people that knew you. And John knew him. John walked alongside him. John was his friend. And all John does is just, he's just telling stories. Okay. He's telling stories. So, so you know, in order to get to know Christ, I got to know his friends, and that's, and, 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 and that's how I got to know him. And ultimately, what led me to him, there's a lot of facts that made lots of sense, was love. This, 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 this overwhelmingly powerful love that was more than a feeling. More than a feeling. Because feelings come and go, and feelings are not reliable and not trustable. This was real. This was a living experience, uh, you know, far beyond feeling. So anyway, I would say John, and I would say uh, I would say for anyone, I would say for anyone wondering, I, I, I really highly recommend the case for Christ and the case for faith. Okay. Uh, and the case for a Creator. He wrote many books, Lee, but those three, case for faith is about you know just why where could there be a God in the midst of a tsunami? Yeah. Where's God? Where's God in the, in the death of a of a four year old girl with brain cancer? Right? Where's God in a house that burns down and Everyone dies at the front door of smoke, you know, inhalation. Yeah. You know? So anyway, those are some of the things I think that, and I don't want to be, you know, preaching at anybody, right? I'm just sharing, sure. you know, an experience that I had that, you know, me preaching at someone is not going to get them there. Only, right, them having a desire to search will get them there. Yeah. Um, do you, what do you say to somebody who thinks it's all a crock? Do you say anything or do you just... Pray for him, and well, that's I all mean, you do. Or? Yeah, I think I think you know it's it's not me that does the work. It's it's like it's the Holy Spirit which which God promises to us. But I, I, I really I really believe this, and it's not to be in any way you know perceived as arrogant or you think you got it right. You don't right. I don't know what I don't know what you know. Each person has God will deal with each person individually. That's not my role. Yeah, right? I'm not. I'm not right. So, but I would say that. I, I, I think what, what humans do often, and it can be, it's in a number of ways, not just finding God or not, but what we do is we make up our mind on something and then, and then we, we, we only apply facts that move us toward the, the thing we already made up our mind about, right? And that's just a very common way to protect ourselves, right? And, and that's not what I did. It wasn't like, okay, there's God, now I'm not going to follow anything about evolution that says that maybe we were here by accident, you know, by a random explosion. So the first thing was just simply looking at looking looking for facts on either side. And I do believe that anyone that says to me, uh, you're out of your mind, it's impossible, does has has not looked at has not opened their heart enough to look at facts. Yeah. Right, because the facts there are facts there. Right, we know he lived, we know he died, we have a pretty good idea that he resurrected. Many people saw him, um, so it'd be like you know it'd be like years later, 
did this conversation ever happen, right? Yeah. Did Tom Ryan ever talk to Tim on a Zoom call? Well, uh, well, we, we know that uh, Tim texted Tom the Zoom link, you know, at, at four. And, and we know that Tom was seen walking into his office at 3.30 by his wife. And the guy mowing the lawn saw Tom through the window, looked like he was on a call. Like, this, like, like that's the type of evidence there is. Yeah. And, and now it's just simply, is it too far-fetched to believe? And listen, it takes, it, it's, a, it's a fit, right? I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing to believe. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but so it's not easy to believe that this God created us. But there's facts there that led me more that way than to believe that Tim, billions of years ago, was was some sort of primordial soup that has evolved into being Tim. Yeah. So I believe more, you know, took, took more faith to believe that, that the beauty that we see on this planet can be by chance than the fact that a God has designed it. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to, uh, you know, I've, I've thought similar things. And, and in my business, it, it's something that people kind of don't always... Uh, you know, I have friends that I, I wish they, you know, that I love and I wish they felt a certain way, but you can't force it on anyone, like you said. Um, but sometimes it's amazing how sometimes people will ask you that you never thought would, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I think there's times, right, Tim? I think there's times and when you, you know, you know, my student athletes have a hard time, it comes to me, relationship issues, and you just, you just pray with them, you know. So there's times when we're more fertile than others. A lot of people share with me before I was 36 years old. I just wasn't ready, you know, and I wish I was because a lot of the things that cost me in my life were things that, you know, maybe I, maybe I wouldn't have done. Yeah. You know, so, but it wasn't God's province and what is, is that I know him now and, and I believe that, I believe that he is. And, and it's never too late. That's the beauty of it. No, and that's so, man, that's, it doesn't, that's absolutely, Yeah. it's never too late. Yeah, I think I think that, that that's an overwhelming thing that when you realize what you know, obviously I got to the place where what he did for me, and the fact that I'm such a knucklehead, <laughs> I'm such a knucklehead, but it doesn't matter to him. Yeah, he's like, dude, I love you, and that's just that's just love it. Like I love you. Yeah, and uh, you know, in a world where there's a lot of hate sometimes, and there's a world with a lot of judgment sometimes, and there's a world in a world where you know we're evaluating the likes and. And you know, uh, followers to 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 get to know a God that could care less about any of that is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's helped me in, in a lot of ways lately, and I I hope to uh, you know raise my boy that way. And and I've forgiving people is an amazing thing. You know, not too long ago, without getting into it, um, I called my dad and I said, you know what, I. Don't feel like being mad at you anymore, and I'm yeah. not. And I'm not going. I got the chills. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and I'm not going to be. And uh, and I've been yeah. I've been plenty angry during this lockdown. If I'm being completely <laughs> honest. Well, we are. Man. Of course. Of course. And, I mean, there's no right. We all. No one gets out unscathed. Right? <laughs> I say that all there's the time. No, you know, no one does, right? We all. We all. But uh, well, that's really cool, man. So whatever you and your dad experience, I'm really happy to hear that because. Uh, yeah, it's good for you. It's good for him, and just um, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, cool. Well, I won't keep you on here all day, but I did want to ask you a couple more questions about wrestling. Um, sure. Um, 
first of all, how do you stay in such good shape? Do you do a particular work as as a, a particular workout or? I mean, the first thing, the, the 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 number one reason why is I value it, right? So you know, I would say if you if I was going to paint my day, my perfect day, what would my perfect day look like, and why would I have a day that wasn't like my perfect day, right? At least the one that I imagine, right? And, and making sure there's a lot of things I do that are that are mundane in a given day. And I have paperwork as a coach and COVID issues, right? There's all these things I have. But but if, if I allow that to be the only thing that happens in my day, well, I'm a fool, right? So I got to make sure that the things that mean something to me, I get to. So, I mean, working out is just something that is meaningful. And sometimes it's a five-mile walk with my dogs, right? Until I walk them. I get to watch the sunrise over this little river. Up, but there's, there's this lake I'm living at, and I come home and I get to work. So, does it mean waking up earlier than maybe, you know, I, I could use another 15 minutes sleep? Yeah, but it's worth it. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, working out, and I also I just believe in suffering. Right, I believe in it. I believe in pain. I believe that pain is our friend, and and running and getting uncomfortable uh, is something that that I think keeps me in a mindset that is good for me. And that, you know, pain is always right around the corner. And that's, a, that's, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. You know, speaking of suffering, I, I, my wife and I went down to the uh, pier not too long ago. And there was this woman handing out pamphlets. And it was about Jesus and what he went through the, on the cross. It was a real small mm-hmm. thing. But then we went to lunch, and none of the restaurants were open down there. You know, and we ended up going down there and paying for parking for no reason. And then we ended up going to this little taco place that we always go to. And it's just weird how things work out because I read that little pamphlet and I've always known about what happened to Jesus and everything, but it yeah. it made sense to me in a way that it never had before. Like mm-hmm. what, why he suffered yeah. and, the, and the way he did it for us and all that stuff. And it was just the weirdest thing as far as just how God works sometimes and the people he puts in your lives. And th- this woman and I, made, we made eye contact. She had this real, these real blue eyes. And we made eye contact, and she said something to me, and it just, I just got chills all over me, and I went and I read this pamphlet, my wife was in pan for the food, and and it just, wow. it just made sense that's to cool. me. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, I'm not a big fan in chance, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in chance, so, uh, you know, in, in, in our own time. Uh, when, you know, I think children help us get there too. You know, I think the fact that seeing a child get born and the, and the deep love that you can have for them, it's like, wow. Yeah. Like I, like, you know, I thought, you know, I thought my, my, my golf club was sweet. I mean, this kid is amazing. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like this dude, this is incredible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that'll, they bring us to a place of, I don't know, you know, I think reverence for the gift of being a father. Right. And then, and then to think that, you know, someone would allow their son to be tortured for us. Yeah. I, mean, I just, I don't know. I think, but children, children really move us to think more deeply, I think. Yeah. Than we had before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put my boy to bed almost every night and, and, uh, you know, I feed him his bottle and I hold him. He's almost two now. And, uh, I, you know, you have weird thoughts in the dark. And I thought to myself, would you trade this kid for a billion dollars? And it, immediately it was like, no. <laughs> you know, so, so if I wouldn't trade him, for all the money in the world that I could buy anything yeah. with, then I don't need anything else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. I got the chills again. Yeah. So good. I will admit there were some moments in, in the raising my four children where 
I probably would have sold them for a half a billion, but, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. But yeah, no, isn't it amazing? And that's that whole, you know, the whole priceless thing. Like, what's priceless to us? At the end of the day, right, we're all chasing this and we're chasing that. And man, of all the, uh, the, the material things, right, that I have, uh, I don't have that many, right, but whatever you have, right, whatever any of us have, right, it's like, man, give me that, give me that day back sitting on the beach with my kid in my lap. And just watching the watching the, the waves roll across the sand. Yeah. Like give me that moment because that's a moment that you know there's no price tag on it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kids, uh, what what is it that what's the main thing you look for in recruits so I can drill it into my boy's head? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you know I, I you know I said you know some of the some of the. So, so when, when we recruit, we, we try to learn as much as we can about the recruit. So if I'll go to someone's, let's say I'm recruiting Tim, right? And, I, and then I'll go to your high school, right, to see you. And I'll, I'll spend time in that hallway. I'll ask kids walking by me, hey, do you know Tim? Tell me about Tim. You know, I'll ask the custodian. I'll ask the secretary. You know, I'll ask more than just coaches. I want to learn, I want to, I want to learn that this kid is going to be missed. That this guy, Tim, is going to be missed in this school, right? Because if Tim's going to be missed, he's going to be a great team member, right? So so that being said, look, there's a lot of guys that would be good team members that aren't going to win any national titles for Ohio State, right? So I've already narrowed down the aggression, an attack-minded person. I want someone shooting. People that shoot a lot, right? People that are willing to make mistakes learn faster than those that aren't, Yeah. right? It's just simple, right? Ever, any motivational speaker or leader is going to say, you know, be willing to take risks, right? Because you're going to learn in those moments. So aggression matters. Um, emotional control matters. Um, a deep love for it matters. Being a great teammate matters. A good student matters. Yeah. Um, you know, so just all the, you know, those are just some of the things that, I mean, someone that just loves to wrestle, loves to train. Yeah. Um, you know, so a deep love for it because this is really hard. Yeah. When I look back, you know, I like to jog now. I like to walk my dogs now, right? So when I look back and what I did to myself, right, it's like, dude, you were nuts. Right? You were straight up crazy. Yeah. But I wasn't. I was in love. Right? I was in love. And we all know what happens when we're in love with something, right? We, be, we become a great comedian. We, be, we become a great business person. We become a great father. And love is just the most powerful gift. And so we really try to dig into those that really, really love mastery. Yeah. Not necessarily winning. Look, I want someone who loves winning. I want a true competitor. I want someone that's fierce. But I just want someone that, that, that just loves learning and loves what they're doing. Uh, how important are Jay Jaggers and Travel DeLagnev as, uh, what are their greatest strengths? They're priceless. You know, I've got a great staff between Coach Ralph, who's a recruiting coordinator that's just a tireless worker that loves the sport, and Bo Jordan, you know, who's a four-time All-American, and you know, the guy wrestled with, you know, nine toes in college. I mean, no one knows. He, got, he, had a toe, he had a toe that would have retired a lot of football players. Yeah. Right? Turf toe. It was so bad, but he fought through it. And, uh, but Jaggers brings, Jaggers is very intelligent. So he's very, very, very smart, very, um, very good with, with, with people, um, very good technically, uh, very loyal, deeply loves Ohio State. He's been there longer than me by, by a year. 
you know, he's the eldest, the guy's a competitor and then a coach. So he brings a lot uh, to the table. A lot of just, he's very rational. Um, you know, Jay has, Jay has more friends than any person I know. Oh yeah. Like, like, like real, like real friends. Like, like, like not just, Hey, I know that like the guy has been in more weddings. He's just a good person and, uh, and, and he's easy to get along with. Um, Travell is a, you know, saying, you know, great faith, a great father, both those guys, great father, both Jordan, great father, uh, incredibly high wrestling IQ, uh, both of them, all of them. Uh, Travell is, I would say his greatest strength is, is the ability to ask questions, the right question at the right time. And that's a gift. You know, it's a gift that can be, you know, can be harnessed and worked on and, and, and learned, but he's really good at the mindset stuff. You know, asking people questions that get them thinking like, well, you know, you're right. I did say I wanted this and why am I complaining about it now? Like, he's just a good, really good that way. Yeah. So I've been really fortunate to, uh, you know, to have those guys on this staff. They're great. Where, where can people find your book, Chosen Suffering? <clears throat> I have a website, chosensuffering.com. Okay. And if they get it, it's on it's on Amazon too. But if they get it through the website, then I can you know Amazon sends it right out. But I can I can sign it if they had someone they wanted it for someone that had been through something tough, and they said, hey, in the notes section when you buy the book, you could write like, hey, you know, my buddy Tim just you know lost his father, or okay. you know, or I could I could put a note in there of of support okay. uh, through the website. That's allowed me to do that. Awesome. Well, I thought of like as soon as you said that, I thought of like three people I'd like to send it to. So, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy some and and I this is I've talked to a lot of great people on this podcast and I've done I've done about I think you're the twentieth or twenty first I've done so far and this is easily one of my favorites if not the best I've done. Um, you know, I had no technical difficulties. Uh, we had a great conversation and and yeah, it was uh, easy. You're good. You did a great job too. The questions were good and thought-provoking and i like that thanks man you, you, so I, you i really enjoyed it you really you have no idea how many things you've said that i've that have stuck with me like be the landlord of your own mind and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing i've heard you say in interviews and i'm like that makes sense you know like nobody can get in there that you don't want in there you know it's mm-hmm. your place so. right and like you said today in the call like nothing can stay in there that you don't want in there you know like look i'm done i'm the landlord of this, this mind and and whatever my dad did to, to, to hurt me I'm, I'm I'm evicting that. Yeah, from my from my from my property. Yeah, you know? so it's good for you. Well, I, I can't say enough great things about you, and uh, I hope you're still coaching in 20 years. And I hope my boy's even interested in wrestling, like you said. Yeah, it's, send me videos on it. I will be posted. Man, uh, it's 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 good to call you a friend, and I, I appreciate you. Thank you, coach. So you helped us out. I know you helped us out. You helped our Olympic training center out uh, when we when we needed you. So we're we're always grateful for that. I would I would do it any time. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot, Coach. I know you would. Have a great day. Keep your family right. All right, you too. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Wow, that was seriously the uh, best wrestling uh, podcast. I really enjoyed my Eric Aiken interview, but uh, that one was uh, really important to me as as a person, and I hope you guys got something out of that. And he's just an amazing man and coach, and uh, I I can't say enough great things about uh, Tom Ryan, so... God bless all of you guys. Thank you very much for listening to this. And make sure you like and subscribe and share it and all that other stuff. And uh, have a great day. Take care. Oh, yeah. always As always, go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon and his family. And that's it. All right. Take care, everybody. God bless you. Bye-bye.
do us both a favor and click on that subscribe button.